I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, Andy Zuniga of PLUS, or Paid Leave for the U.S. Isn't that nice? Today's guest, Andy Zuniga, is the Vice President of Legislative Affairs for PLUS, or Paid Leave for the U.S. It's a campaign whose goal is to win paid leave in the U.S. by 2022. On an earlier episode, I spoke with Katie Bethel, and Katie Bethel is the founder of the PLUS campaign. But I wanted to continue that discussion with Andy from a policy perspective, because achieving paid leave in the U.S. would be such a game changer, a game changer in relation to achieving greater equality, greater income equality, and of course, greater gender equality. In my conversation with Andy, she explains what a good, solid paid leave policy should look like in order for it to meet the needs of American families and how constituents should vet paid leave policies put forth by politicians, including the Democratic presidential candidates. So here is my conversation with Andy Zuniga. Andy Zuniga, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So paid family leave, it's finally being considered seriously as policy, you know, as it should be. And I think right now we have seven states, including the District of Columbia, that has some sort of paid family leave policy, right? And I think Oregon is going to come on board in being the eighth state. Um, When I look at those plans, look at those policies, they range from anywhere from like four weeks to 12 weeks for a new child, you know, and I don't want to be the person that bites the hand that feeds me, but that seems kind of meager to me. What do you think? I'm with you. I think that right now we're seeing a lot of gravitation towards 12 weeks because 26 years ago, Congress passed the Family Medical Leave Act and FMLA provides 12 weeks of unpaid leave. And that 12 weeks, that was based on 26 years ago. uh, Some Congress members cut a deal and it's like, okay, this is the amount that we could get through across the finish line. And this is something it wasn't necessarily based on the fact of, okay, you're cured from cancer in 12 weeks. Um, you can drop your child off at daycare. You're As a woman, if you've had a child, you're ready to, to move forward and go back to work within 12 weeks. And I think that what you're touching on is that when we are creating a solution such as paid family leave, we should really look at the problem we're trying to solve and look at what that need is. And we've recently partnered with the Georgetown Center on Poverty and Inequality And they did a report really looking at that leave. And they found that particularly for uh, childbirth, six months of leave is really something that they give the woman a chance to heal, uh, time for for bonding. And as Congress and policymakers are looking to set that number, um, it's really important to factor in how that leave is going to be used and the situations it'll be used for. Right. And I know that paid family leaves covers more than just, you know, having a new child. It covers lots of other, you know, scenarios. But just talking about this, when I think about what I went through, you know, your body has been in the state of of upheaval, you know, joyful upheaval at least, but upheaval for 40 weeks. And then, you know, you get four weeks to recover. It just seems, I don't know, it just seems a bit insulting. Oh, no, <laughs> Almost. It's, it's crazy. And when you think about one in four women go back to work within 10 days of giving birth, that's like if it was natural, if it was a, a C-section, that the fact oh, that God. that like that's the state of our, that our country is in right now, it just boggles my mind. I haven't had a kid yet, but I hope to. And I surely hope that when that time comes, I will have uh, paid family will cross the finish line and I'll have that, that time I need to heal. 
Well, you've got some work to do because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> hey, I'm personally vested in this issue. <laughs> you're in my thoughts, so you're mm-hmm. going to get this done before. <laughs> yes. Anyway, you know, but I also want to point out the fact that the states that do already have paid family leave policies, they seem to be concentrated on the coast. You know, the East Coast and the West Coast, you know, there's California, mm-hmm. Oregon, Washington, and then like, you know, Rhode Island, I think, and a few other East Coast states. Why is that? I don't think this is a red state versus a blue state issue. We've been doing some work in Louisiana with the Louisiana Families First Coalition, um, because I think this is something like, that's right, this is not something that's just on the coast. This is something that across the country, we did polling in Louisiana and found that people are interested in paid family leave. What we've seen across the board, that this is something that when it's high 70% support. I see, because I would have assumed that this is a really partisan issue, a very partisan issue, right? And I just assumed that, you know, because I'm hearing a lot of 2020 Democratic candidates talk about paid family leave, and I hear no Republicans talking about it, I just assumed that it was a partisan issue. I mean, are there any Republican politicians kind of advocating for this? There are. Um As far as even when President Trump, when he was running for president, he included a paid family leave proposal that was saying that we should have six weeks of it. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio was the first Republican to come forward with a proposal about creating paid family leave. Um, Granted, I wouldn't have gone the direction that he did. His proposal is um, this Congress, like the New Parents Act, and you have to borrow against your Social Security. And I think paid family leave, having that time to be there with your family. That's an investment in our families, and it doesn't shouldn't have to put new families in a give or take. It's you versus your retirement. This is this is a benefit that we can have, and what states have done. We've seen different states and different countries when they create it. It's not this give or take. It's an ability to move forward, and we're sharing others. Um, Senator Cassidy is working with Senator Cinema on our proposal, and uh, so I think this is something as more and more Republicans are coming to the table, there is an understanding that paid family leave matters across the board. Well. I totally missed that during 2016. I was probably <laughs> distracted by the the border wall and stuff like yes. that. But so, but you know, as far as the 2020 Democratic candidates go, I know that Kirsten Gillibrand just introduced the Family Leave Act, right? And that was originally introduced in 2013. Yes. What happened? Like, why has it been lingering for so long? I think it's been uh, changing. When it was introduced three Congresses ago, that's when California and New Jersey first started uh, having paid family leave. And we're starting to see more states are picking up steam and asking about it. Just last year, 27 states had paid family leave proposals. And as more Republicans are getting engaged and more members of Congress, this is a way for us to to talk about it. So what's in it exactly? Does it go to 12 weeks? Does it go to six weeks? Um, It's uh, the Family Act. It's Similar to the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, and essentially provides that you get 12 weeks of paid time off, and that is pegged off of 66% of your wages. And it creates a social insurance model uh, similar to what we've seen in the different states, that the way that you pay for this program and get this benefit you have the opportunity to pay into it portion of your payroll tax. It's split. The employer pays a portion, the employee uh, plays a portion, and that covers the benefits. So I wanted to talk to you about a chart that I found that ranked countries by the amount of paid family leave that they offer. Mm -hmm. 
and you can find these charts online, right? But this one was kind of upsetting. So the US was at the bottom of the chart, of course, and at the very top was Finland. And Finland offered 161 weeks of mandated paid family leave. And just above the US, and again, US was at the bottom, was Mexico. Mexico was just above the US and they offered 12 weeks of paid leave. And of course, you know, the U.S. is at the bottom offering zero weeks. And, you know, I just found that really upsetting. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah, it's us in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> um, every oh, other yeah. industrialized country has figured out how to do this, um, has figured out how to find per, uh, leave for new parents, has figured out how to provide um, medical leave. And this is something that it's just Again, it boggles my mind. And I know for the United States, we we pride ourselves in our Yankee ingenuity. But this is something like, come on now. <laughs> um, I think recognizing the importance of families and how important it is to be there for each other is uh, clearly part of our American family values. And I, I'm, and I think that's what we're seeing as more and more people are realizing that, you know, this is times. And I know for, for me, like I said, I'm trying to, to have a child. I'm also trying to pay back my student loans. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out um, how to um, do those pieces. And I think more families, in particular in the younger generation, um, millennials are coming forward. It's like, are they going to buy a house? Are they, how are they going to pay back their loans? How are they going to have time to have a child and like pay for it? And things are good. The costs are rising. And I think that we're in a point where families are realizing this is a, this is a big deal and starting to see that, you know, having time off for my family um, is important and is something that we need to do. Right. Like even our neighbor, Canada offers 52 weeks. Oh, my friends that have moved abroad, um, and talking to people who grew up abroad, they're like, wait, what? Nothing? Zero? It's like, how is that possible? It's like, exactly. Um, and my friends that have moved abroad, they're like, oh man, it's like the land of milk and honey over here. <laughs> they give us time off. And I think this is something that, and what we've seen in the states that have created this system, it actually does help with competitiveness. When companies are offering paid family leave, they're seeing a higher rate of employer retention. And also when um, employees have been trained and keeping that employee in place actually helps for the overall economy as well because that that worker stays there and when you create a system like paid family leave it helps keep women that they have the ability to uh, granted they have give them the time off that they need to recover but then also a way to get back to that same job right that makes sense but it just seems like you know just philosophically you know, it's a cultural issue, right? In the US, we value work, but we don't value the workers who do that work, right? So how do these countries manage this? You know, is it through taxes, obviously, you know, and then I'm curious as to if we know this, how do people and women specifically fare? You know, I just can't imagine that having uh, taking 161 weeks off of work and then going back and everything being fine. And so how do they do it? What we've seen in the States, and that's what the Georgetown Center on Poverty and Inequality found, they said that around six months was a a good mark. If you provided leave within that six-month mark, there's a higher chance of women returning to the office, families like not having that lag time, and there's actually a continuing of productivity. Once you get beyond that, when you're getting in that that Finland 162 weeks, it it is hard to come back. (laughs) Um, It's a a lot to ask of employers to, to hold that job for that many years. 
workers. But we've seen that if you give that and provide that time, and actually a worker will come back if uh, if you're struggling to you know care for yourself or care for a family member, you're distracted at work. If you have that time off, you you come back, you're happier, um, you're you're more available on the job. You're not worried in the back of your mind what's happening. And what we've seen in other countries when they provide this, it actually it works. Like the companies are able to continue. There's still good economies there, and it's still a good solution. Right, and they do this mostly. They pay for this via taxes, presumably. Yes, mostly of it. It's a social insurance model. It's a payroll tax where the idea is everybody pays in a little bit. So at the time when this benefit is needed, you paint it. It's kind of like insurance. And just as you know, UI and social security comes out of your payroll tax. It could be something like a part of your taxes will have a line for paid family leave. Other countries like Australia does like a flat out check. Have a kid. Here's like $5,000. I don't remember the exact amount. But what's most common is this earned benefit, this idea that you pay into this program and then you get that money back. So I know that Plus has a campaign that kicks off this fall where Plus members will be going to members of Congress and presumably to, I guess, advocate for this and tell them what quality paid leave should look like. What What are you telling them? What should it actually look like? Um, I think this report, and I would encourage uh, people to read it as well. The one that we worked through for Georgetown, it's on our website paidleave.us forward slash recommendations. And it's really looking at, I think it's a combination. Uh, We want people to come forward and share their story. Like, here's what paid family leaves for me. This is what it meant when I needed to care for my child. This is what it meant when I needed to care for myself or when I had to take care of a family member. But then also look at what the data says. The question Congress shouldn't be asking themselves, oh, what can pass? It should be, the question should be, what do people need? And when you ask that question of what do people need, that changes the parameters. It's really looking at the data, the evidence behind it, and what's going to work. What can we learn from these states that have passed paid family leave already? What can we learn from these other countries? And talk about that shared need and that benefit. And I think that's the the piece that when we are working with our advocates, we definitely want to show that there's an uh, intensely like family, human connection to this legislation. And I think that sharing it with members of Congress to engage and hear that story firsthand from their constituents is very powerful. And I just want to point out that, and this may be a question or maybe not, that this is more than just about babies, about, you know, cisgendered heterosexual couples having babies, right? I mean, families come in all different forms. And it isn't even about babies. We need time off to take care of loved ones, you know, sick loved ones, elderly parents. So is that included in a good quality paid family leave policy? Yeah. So when we talk about paid family leave, it should be maternal leave, paternal leave, but most importantly, caregiving leave. Um, That's the leave that you need to that personal medical and that family medical leave. Uh, For example, a couple of months ago, my dad, he went to the emergency room with, um, he thought it was just like a really bad case of indigestion, but like my mom was just like, no, 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 we're going to the doctor. Turns out he needed to have, uh, he had an aneurysm in his abdomen and required immediate surgery. Um, When we were getting that news, we could see the difference of it. Like I worked for an organization that offers paid family leave. I was the first one on the plane. Um, I live in Maine. They're in Arizona. Quickly jump over, head there to be there with my parents. My brother, who is a Lyft driver, he's like, well, how how do I figure out what to do? Like, let me make sure I can, maybe I can pick up rides on the way there to save the money that I need to get there. My sister had just started a new job. She's like, I don't really have the time yet. Let me work something out with my boss. Let me figure it out. 
and my brother, he works as a corrections officer and, and he had to work to make sure to coordinate with um, his leave that he just had a child. How do we mean he'd, he'd use that leave? And so it's interesting to kind of see that different perspective. And at the end of the day, we all wanted to be there for our dad because he was about to have this like incredibly big surgery and being there. And it took like just like just seeing that in action, like the different ways it played out for for each of my siblings was was very eye opening. So many families face that you get that phone call and you want to be there. And then the question shouldn't be like you absolutely want to put your families first, but then it's the hardship of like, how do, how do we make it work? And for the people that even the ones that have access to unpaid FMLA, only about 60% of people in the country have access to that. But how many people can actually take 12 weeks unpaid? Like you still have to pay your rent. <laughs> you still have to buy groceries. Um, so this idea of unpaid leave is, is no longer a viable solution and finding ways to provide a paid option is becoming increasingly more important. Wow. Yeah. You know, so as a voter and as a constituent, a savvy constituent, hopefully, what should I or we look for in the words of candidates when they talk about, you know, paid family leave policies? You know, because I feel like, especially during a primary, a lot of candidates, you know, they, they just check a box, you know, what? is the mm-hmm. most popular thing people are talking about and what's going to give you the vote. They don't go much deeper. So as a savvy constituent, you know, someone who's watching these debates, what should I be looking for? Um, I think you should be looking for the words paid family leave. Also looking for the words paid family and medical leave. That's the way to make sure that they are also including that important piece for caregiving. And I think it's pushing them right now. That's something that we're working with our advocates to really like, you know, ask them. The, these uh, candidates are, there's a ton of them right now, <laughs> um, are making the rounds, reaching out to potential voters. And this is an important question. When if they say they're going to do what's best for families, push back. Well, what does that mean? Are you offering this kind of program? Are you offering this this kind of solution and this proposal? And really challenge them to ask them to provide a little bit more details. Because you're right, just a, a, a casual mention is not enough, I think. And we're going to start to see as the, uh, the field sh- um narrows, I think we're going to see more in-depth proposals. And I think it's upon each, every one of us to to read it and look for the ends of like, what does this mean for working families and looking at high quality policies? Yeah, that's good advice. And I also think that the story that you gave about your family and your father is a really good one. I mean, I would advise people just thinking through this for myself, you know, think about a time in your life where you could have used more time for your family, right? You know, what did you need? How much money did you need? What what were the pain points for you, right? And how would family leave have helped you? Yeah. And so maybe kind of inform your questions for the candidates around that. And the more that I've been working on this issue, you hear these stories like of one worker of another set of siblings, like their dad was on their deathbed and the one person had leave and had the ability to be there caring for them, you know, like sitting by the bedside and the other sibling that didn't had to essentially say like, okay, I only have these two days. Well, is, is, does it look like today's the day? Should I use that day here? Because I can't, I can't spend a week sitting by the bedside. I can't be there. And, and it's just kind of like that idea that like having to rationalize that, have that type of conversation is just like people should be able to be there when it matters most, whether it's like the best moments of your life, welcoming a new child, but then also that scariest moment when you need to be there, when um, people need, uh, need to be there for like surgery, et cetera. Yeah. And you just made me think of another good point that um, it's not just about whether you have time off or you have the money to pay for your expenses while you're taking time off. It's also about whether you have job security, right? Like if you yeah. take unpaid 
time off, how many people have jobs where they can go back and expect that job to be there? And that's the question we're very much posing towards these Republican offices. They're coming forward with these proposals, but they don't include that job protection. And that's a that's a big piece of it. We want people to be able to we want them to have actual leave, not just leave on paper. We want them to be a system that they can take it and like, okay, if I use this, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my paycheck. I'm going to have a job to come back to because without that, like, it's just hard. It makes it uh, unsustainable and people won't take that risk. And at the end of the day, we want to do something that puts families first and we have to create an, an opportunity and an ability for them to actually use this leave. I know you have a goal to get to to get this done by 2022, you know, but I get the sense that, you know, in relation to paid leave, this moment, this specific political moment is kind of critical. It's kind of a strike while the iron's hot moment. Right. So why is that? I think we're at a very interesting moment. We are seeing a space where different proposals are coming out, more Republicans are coming to the table, where it's interesting to see what's going to happen in Congress. There's also this how this 2020 election is going to come into play. I'm interested to kind of see, I'm watching to see what Trump does. He talked about this when he was running the first time. Is he going to continue to talk about it? Is he going to amplify it even more because uh, his daughter, Ivanka Trump, has been very active on paid family leave. And if he talks about it, what does this mean for Democrats that are talking about it as well, these um, 20 plus people that are running for president? And then also at the end of the day, what is this going to mean for families? This is an issue that I don't want it to be a promise made on the campaign trail. I want it to be something policy that's actually enacted and that we see moving forward. Because at the end of the day, we want to have that space to be there for each other. So as constituents, what should we be doing right now between now and 2020 to get the best policy possible, right? Should we be looking at congressional races, state legislative races? You know, where do we win this fight? I think this is a lot of it just talking to your member of Congress. Um, We're getting ready to go into the August recess. Congress is going to be home for the next six weeks. You might see them at the grocery store. You might see them at a a listening session that they're meeting. And this is a time to just raise this issue and have that conversation. And I encourage people to, to call their member of Congress, send in a letter that as they're looking at pieces to move forward, members of Congress have a choice of what type of policy they're going to amplify, what type of policy they're going to lift up, what they're going to vote on. And this is something we haven't seen. Um, a paid family leave bill hasn't moved to the floor on the House side or the Senate side. There's been a couple of hearings, but there's definitely an opportunity to, to do more. Committees can can move it forward. And I think it's something where people can raise it and talk about how this issue is personal to them. And then also ask that member of Congress uh, a pointed question like, well, what are you doing for this? Are you are you fighting to move paid family leave forward? How? What do you, talk to me. Like, is this something that we should engage and encourage other people to engage on it as well? And I think this is something that members of Congress should be talking to their constituents, having you know listening sessions, meeting with stakeholders, talking to families about what this means and talk about the need for moving this forward. Oh, you know, I was just thinking that if any politicians are listening to this, they're probably not going to go to the grocery store now over the break. <laughs> and they got to eat somehow. <laughs> exactly. Well, Andy Zuniga, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much for your work on this. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And one of the things that most people don't know about the electorate is that it's independently produced and we have a very, very small budget. I, Jen Taylor Skinner, you know, I do all of the recording myself. I do the production work and I do the audio editing. I even do my own graphics and social media. Yeah, I wear a lot of hats. 
So with that in mind, please consider supporting the electorate in one of the following ways. Leave a review on iTunes. It's really simple. Just go under the ratings and review tab and click leave a review. It helps boost our rankings and it helps other podcast listeners discover us. Secondly, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. That's also easy and it's free. Just go to the electorate page on your favorite podcast platform and hit the subscribe button. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of the electorate on Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can help me produce more quality shows like the one you've just heard today. And that's at patreon.com slash electorate. And I'll put that link in the show notes. And you know what? I just really appreciate your listening today. Knowing that someone's out there listening to this podcast, it gives me confidence to keep going. So thank you so much. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, keep up the good fight.